Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Samach Tes in Maseches Nadarim. Andrew requested yesterday that we start five lines down from the top of Samach Tes And who am I to deny Andrew after all he's done for us? Uh, now, Andrew, you're sitting there all innocent, and you, I don't even know whether you realize that there, you've heard of Rav Chaim? Okay, here's what happens. There's the Rambam, right? Yeah. Okay. Organized in the same organization of the, of the Mishnah Torah of the Rambam, Reb Chaim had observations on the Rambam along the way. And there's like a really thin, tall book. That's Reb Chaim. And that has these observations that he has on the Rambam. And he, what he'll do is he'll take the Rambam, a question in the Rambam is the format, and he will answer what seems to be a conundrum in the Rambam with what we would call a yesod, like a fundamental idea, a lumdish idea, a fundamental concept that answers, that is the underpinnings of the Rambam. Such, such amazing um, brisker Torah, I guess you could call it. Anyways, there's only one such Reb Chaim in all of Maseches Nadarm, only one piece, and it's on Daf Samech So you have that to look forward to. That's my tease for today. But it's not at the beginning, it's, it's a little bit later. Also, so over Shabbos, today is Monday, and we're here today because um, even though it's technically a holiday, the year two, 2023 started yesterday, the, uh, and it's a nidcha, whatever, it's not for now. Those of you listening in a thousand years from now, maybe you'll look it up. Um, we started a 10th parak of Nadarim on Shabbos. And so we're now into the world of Hafaras Nadarim. Now, up until now, we were talking about, um, we had mentioned Hataras Nadarim. What's the difference between Hataras Nadarim and Hataras Nadarim? So if you look at the beginning of Parshas Matos, do you, uh, remember Matos Masay from the summer, Parshios, Barry? You're a uh, Balkare. So Parshas Matos is kind of interesting. It says, Vaydeber Mashel Rishay Hamatos, Vnei speaking to all the heads of the tribes, Zeha Davar. He says, listen up, this is the thing. Here's the thing. What's the thing? Nadarim. The whole parsha of Nadarim is found over there, right? Ishki Yador Neder. The whole parsha discusses the idea of what? How do you, how do you, first he talks about an individual making a neder, lo yachel dvaro, when one makes a neder or a shvua, they can't violate that shvua. But then it talks about a woman. By the fourth pasuk, it already talks about a woman. And it goes on for 13 psukim on the different uh, ways that a woman's netter could be undone. So let's give a little bit of background, Barry, uh, before we proceed. And the background is as follows. This really is what we were talking about the last two days, just to catch us up to Samach And the background is as follows, that when it comes to a regular, okay, when it comes to an adult male making a neder, they would have to, as we've been discussing, go to Rabbi Rose's office, and they would have to do what's called hataras nadarim, okay? Uh, that would require, as we've been discussing, right, a Pesach, you would try to undo the nether. Now, the Rambam has an imagery. Hataras nadarim is like, if a nether was a knot in a rope, hataras nadarim would be untying that knot, which is to say, you're undoing what you've done, lemma frere, retroactively, and you, it's as if you did, you did not make that nether in, in the first place. Hafaras Nadarim is what happens with a woman. Now, as we know, and this brings us back to Ksubas, 
and there are right stages in a woman's maturation. So when a woman is living at home as a single girl, she's considered under the jurisdiction of her dad in, a, in a, several ways. And one of them is hafaras nadarim, that he has the ability. So let's say the girl, this is how it works. The mechanic says she makes a neder. Okay, the way it works is he has, the father can undo her neder, but it's called hafaras nadarim, which as the Ramam, in the Ramam's imagery, following through in the analogy, instead of undoing the knot, it's like cutting the knot short of the knot so that you sever her from that neder that she did. The halachic difference being that if he severed that knot after she already violated the neder, so then she would still be liable for having violated the neder. Okay, that's not necessarily for now, but the point is that it is a little bit different. Um, there are some differences between hafaras nadarm and hataras nadarm. But Hafaras Nadarm is what a father does for his daughter, or once a daughter, once a girl gets married, it's what a husband would do for his wife. Okay, now, just to make it a little bit more detailed, the girl, were she, let's say, growing up in her house and be under her father's jurisdiction with respect to Nadarm, when she becomes a Bogaris, once she ages out, right, as we've discussed, when she reaches adulthood, so she already is not considered to be under her father's jurisdiction, even if she lives at home or whatever, she already, at that point, he has no jurisdiction, so to speak, over her nadarim, okay? Um, and just to explain again what this jurisdiction would look like, the way it works is if she makes a neder, then her, if she were under his jurisdiction, let's say she's still a girl growing up in the house, he would have all day, that day. So let's say it's a Monday morning. She makes a neder on Monday morning until the end of that day, right? If the father, the father has an opportunity, once he hears of this nether, he has the opportunity to undo it, right? And if he does not do so, then by the next day, by Tuesday morning or whatever, by Tuesday or Monday night, she, at that point, the nether is what's called mekuyam. It is, it is now a real nether, it has sort of passed this threshold of where, past this point of uh, where the father can take it back, and now it's at the point of no return, right? Now she, it's at the point where the nether is considered legitimate. Um, now, this is true of the father, and it's also true of the husband, right? So if she gets married, let's say she's 11 years old and she gets married, um, she would be under the jurisdiction of the husband, but, a very important detail we've already discussed, and this again brings us back to, um, to Ksubos, there are stages of marriage. The first stage is what we call the Kiddushin or Erison. Those are the same thing. Kiddushin or Erison means that the woman has been set aside, so to speak. She's been chosen by her beloved now, and she has a chasen. So now there's a chasen kala, but Nisuin has not yet taken place. Nisuin is when the woman goes and enters the husband's domain and where the financial responsibilities become incumbent on the husband, as we've already discussed. Okay, so this is why our parak is called Nara Hamer Rasa, a parak which I spoke to Stuy Shabbos last night. He said you could spend a month on every page. But Nara Hamer Rasa is a fascinating, is a fascinating Nadarim 
thing that we've already talked about and alluded to in Ksubas, but now we're in the heart of it, which is to say an amazing period of time in a woman's life where she is Arusa. Once she's Arusa, it means, but she's living in her father's house and she's a Nara, right? This is a woman that's not yet aged out, meaning she's not fully mature. She's not a Bogaris, which means that typically if she was not yet engaged, she would, if she was not yet engaged, she would be fully under her father's jurisdiction with respect to Hafaris Nadarim, but she's Meuraset and therefore she's also under her husband's jurisdiction to some extent, but she's not fully Nasua and therefore she's not fully under her husband. So again, if she was Nasua, she would be entirely under, it would be entirely incumbent on her husband to do the Hafaris Nadarim. But because she's in Arusa, she is Nishtahin and Nishtaher, or maybe you could say in both places at once. And the amazing uh, result is that, in, that both her father and her husband have to do Hafaris Nadarim in order for a neder that she makes to be annulled. And so the last two blot, we were talking about wild cases where what happens if the father dies, right, on that day, right? So she makes a neder. And on that very day when she makes a neder, the father dies before he gets an opportunity to do that first nadarim. Does the husband have the opportunity uh, fully now to make that first nadarim on her behalf or vice versa, right? The, the chassan dies, the, the father dies. How do, you, how do you work out all the details in this amazing uh, case of the Naramurasa, right, the girl. So we have to explain this because we have to know where we are as far as uh, this concept of Naramurasa. What does it mean? The Naramurasa is fascinating. She is a Nara. She is both under the jurisdiction, so to speak, of her husband and her father. And this is all out of the psukim uh, over here uh, that come out in Matos that explain the jurisdiction of a father versus a, a uh, husband with respect to this woman. Um, I should also point out that when a husband um, does a farce nadarim, he doesn't have the same jurisdiction necessarily, necessarily as the father. That is something that's discussed in the Rishonim. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Kelman from Shomrei, who's a big gaon, has a whole chart. He has a whole thesis explaining that a Baal is not quite at the level of the father, one of the halachic nafkamin is, is that we know that the halacha is that a Baal can only do hafaris nadarim on nadarim that are either inui nefesh, where the woman is doing some self-infliction of uh, some sort of right discomfort, or dvarim lebeino lebeino, things that pertain to him. So if it pertains to their relationship or somehow um, is going to be an inu nefesh for her, which I guess would also uh, impact their relationship. So then the Baal can be made for another, but otherwise not. And so the, the Pashtas is, according to Dr. Kelman, is that the father actually would have um, a far, uh, jurisdiction of Faris Nadarim for an even greater uh, set of Nadarim. But that is our introduction. So now when we get five lines down, that was actually a good suggestion by Andrew because now we have kind of a new topic with regards to this, and it's a series of questions of Rava as to what would be the halacha. So details of the halachas that we've described as follows. Says the Gemara, by Rava. Rava wants to know, What is this? Fascinating idea. We just said, what's hekem? So if you look at the psukim, there's hafaras nadarim. What's the opposite of hafaras nadarim? Hakamas nadarim. Hakamas nadarim is when you affirm the nether. 
right? So the woman's going to make the nether, and instead of, right, saying, this is not a good nether, you should undo it, the husband or the father, in all of these cases that we're going to be asking, it could really be either one, the husband or the father, has the ability, right, to, to, be, to be making the nether, which is to say, to, right, to affirm it. So, for example, in Pasuk, in Pasuk, hey, v'shama aviyat nidrave asara she'asral nafshah, v'hechari shla aviyat v'kamu kol So, what that Pasuk means is that if the father, right, hears that the girl made a nether and he does not, right, um, address it at all, hechari just means that he just basically ignores it, so then it kind of matures, kamu kol right, it has its own, uh, if the day passes, it has its own maturation and it becomes you know, a real, a real nether. But he can also, right, he can also be making it actively. He could affirm it. So now what, what Rabba is asking is, is this hakama, can that be taken back? Meaning, right, let's say, we'll use a case of a father. Let's say a father hears his daughter making a nether, and then he affirms it, okay? He says, that's a good nether, good girl. I like that nether. Can he then... Um, retract it. That's what it means. Yesh she'ela behekem. Oh, ain't she'ela behekem. Now, I just want to be clear, Barry. Retracting the affirmation of a nether is not the same thing as a farce nadar. In other words, you would have to, after you retract the affirmation, you would have to still do ha farce nadar, right? In order to annul the nether, right? So in other words, if all you did was retract the nether and then let it mature until the next day, then it would be the equivalent of doing nothing, right? Because then all you did was delay the akamath of the nether. But the question is, once you've affirmed it, is there any going back, Andrew? Can you do hafaris and dharm after you've done an active affirmation of the nether through hakamas and dharm? So that's what Rabbi wants to know, a fundamental question. Once you've done hakamas and dharm, can you return? That's what, Ra, that's what the Ran says over here. Ba'i Rabbi, yesha'ila behekem. It's about six, seven lines down and wide. In Kiem Haneder says the Ran, Venishal Bobiyom Alahekem, right? If it's that, that same day, after he affirmed the Neder, Mimatsi Mefer Bobiyom Allah, can he then retract it and then do Hafara or not? Is it too late? In other words, is it too late to do Hafara once you've already done after, after, after uh, once you've already done the affirmation? And then the Ran just points out that Abalamachar Pshita de Lamatsi Mefer, the Logaramishtika, right? That once you've passed the um, deadline, so to speak, of a full day. So then at that point, certainly that is the point of no return, right? So the question is, when you, so we know, and that's what the Torah says, we know that once a woman has made a neder and it's past, let's say, the maturation point of a full day, so then there is no returning. You can't do hataras nadarim anymore. You might still be able to do hataras nadarim if you go to the rabbi, but you can no longer do hafaris nadarim. That's right. The 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 father and the and and the and or the husband, whoever is the person in this case, can't do that initial right undoing of the nether. Right, he can't do that initial um, hafaris nadarim once that first once that full day passes. There is no longer an option. The question is, when you do hakamas nadarim, if he affirmed it, is it is it bringing the deadline? Is it like already at the point of no return? So now. Says the Gemar, if you're going to say that you can roll it back, you can undo it. So in other words, you affirm the neder, and then you can take it back. 
Yesh she'ela behefer or ain she'ela behefer? So then we have to ask the flip side. Wait a minute. If you're going to say that I can be making a neder and then say, you know what, I didn't mean to affirm it. I, 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 I apologize. I did not mean to affirm it. Forget it. Let's just, let's just uh, leave it open and I'll see if I'm going to do hafaras the dharm. Can you do it the other way? Can, once you've, is the other side true that let's say a girl in her father's house makes a neder and he's made for that neder. Can he then turn around and say, you know what? You know, my initial knee-jerk reaction was to do hafaras in the dharm and to undo your nether. But now that I think about it, that was a really good nether. I take it back. You go, girl, with that nether. Could proceed with that nether. That was a good one. Can you do that? Can you undo your undoing of the nether? So that's the question, right? If you're going to say that you can undo an affirmation, can you undo an annulment, a revocation of a nether? So the, the, the Ron explains here that really... You have to explain why that would be a shayla. Ran here has an interesting language. It says, Right? Why? Because of a gemara, it says, in Ayin Vav, it, what's the shayla? This is going to get a little bit into the Rambam and the Rav Chaim, but not quite yet. The, the, the question is like this, that really... Undoing and undoing of a farce nadarim and undoing a hakama are, are, aren't quite the same thing. Birnbaum likes to um, make an analogy to a snake, which is to say, if a nether was a snake and you did a farce nadarim, that would be the equivalent of chopping the snake in half. Now the snake is dead, right? The, the, the Rambam has the, the analogy of a knot, but for whatever reason, Birnbaum wants to use a snake because once you've chopped the snake, the snake is dead. You can't undo that dead. Right? As opposed to if all you did was sustain the snake, like Hakamas Nadarim would be almost like whatever, you fed the snake. So, okay, so you fed the snake, but you could still undo it. You could still kill him, right? But once you've killed him, you can't bring him back to life. So there is a little bit, uh, and that really ends up being, believe it or not, the Pshad of Chaim in the Rambam, but we're, we're, we're not there yet. But the point is that the Ran has to explain what, why it's even a question, right? And, he, and, and the truth is, right? That the Pasuk, he's saying that the Gemara 9 Vav says that the Pasuk says that it might be Xeris HaKasav. Because it says that, right, that, that it says that you could say that uh, hakama, the Pasuk says Hafara and Hakama, right, in the same breath. And therefore, it's possible that there is a Xeris HaKasav that whatever would apply to Hafaras Nadarim should also apply to Hakamas Nadarim, and that's the underpinning of our Shaila. Be that as it may, it turns out that in fact, the Gemara is going to say that that which Birnbaum thought made sense is in fact the Halacha, which is to say that once you did Hafaras Nadarim, you can't go back and reaffirm the Nadar. But the Halacha should be that once, that if you did Hakamas Nadarim, you might be able to retract it. As the Gemara continues to say as follows, Tashma, let, let's, let's find out what the Halacha is in fact. As follows. There it is. That once you've done Hakamas Nadarm, which is an affirmation of the nether, you can, in fact, take that back, but you cannot take back Hafaras Nadarm, which is to say, you can't revive a nether that you already annulled. And that makes sense to us, Andrew, right? Because if the nether is a snake, then, then if you've done 
then if you have fed the snake, you could still kill it. But if you've killed the snake, you can no longer revive it. Okay, and that is uh, a way to remember it. Okay, that's inquiry number one. Inquiry number two, by Rabba. Kaim lechi, kaim lechi. The father says to, to his daughter, yeah, kaim lechi, kaim lechi. Good, I'm affirming your nether. What would be the halacha if he does what? He then decides that he's going to undo, petition as it were, the first act of kiyum, the first act of the confirmation. So wait a minute. What's the question? Well, the, the Ron explains that the, the idea is like this. We know that the second, the second one is the second hakama, right? When he says to her, mekuyim, uh, mekuyim. So the first mekuyim already served its purpose, right? You've already now been making this nether. You've affirmed it. The second one is totally superfluous. It's unnecessary. Uh, Elamai, what happens? Once you've now undone the first kiyum, so then the question becomes, well, the second kiyum was superfluous, but now retroactively, in retrospect, the second kiyum might come in handy because when you undid the kiyum, does this second kiyum that you said that, at the, that initially was nonsensical, does that one all of a sudden take on some importance and become relevant? Or is, does it remain, does it like sort of stay uh, suspended in abeyance uh, waiting to become possibly relevant should the first, you know, as a spare tire, so to speak, should the first one blow out through an annulment? Or is it always nonsensical and we never take it seriously? So that's the question. So the Gemara wants to resolve this as follows. It says the Gemara, Tashma, the Amar Rava, Imnishal Alarishona, Shnia Chalalav. Amazing. It's, it's, it's not what you might have thought, Andrew. This second Kayim Lechi that he said is like a spare tire. If the first one blows out by doing She'ela, the second one is there ready and waiting. Wow. Okay, that's not necessarily what you would have thought, but that in fact is the halacha. Okay. Um, right, kaim lechi. And so that's what, the, that's, that, that's what the halacha is. And that is in fact somewhat surprising, but the point is that the second one in fact stays, uh, stays extant. Okay. Now the Gemara is going to ask another question. Ba'i Rabba. Kaim lechi mufar lechi. So now, the father is saying something that seems to not make any sense, right? Let's say it's the father. This would apply if it was the father or the husband. The father says, Kaim lechi mufar lechi. Yeah, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be mukayim uh, your neder, and I'm also going to be made for your neder. And he adds another piece, and he says, and by the way, v'lo seichol akama elim ken chala and a prerequisite for my affirmation of the nether is that I'm going to, afterward, is the uh, activation of the hafara of the nether. Mahu, what's the halacha? So let me explain, let me explain the question again. Let me explain the question again. The question is, what did the father say? So Andrew, this is a way that a father talks to his daughter when he doesn't want to say no to her, but he's kind of expressly saying that he doesn't want this nether to be mekuyim. How so? He's saying, okay, Shefala, your nether is mekuyim, but it's also, I'm also made for your nether. And by the way, the, the prerequisite for your nether to be mekuyim, it's only going to be mekuyim if it, if it gets to be canceled, which is to say that if it doesn't get mimanafshach, as we say, if the nether is mekuyim, 
then it's going to, if the nether can be canceled, then I'm going to let it be mekuyim. But if the nether cannot be canceled, then I'm not even making it, I'm not even affirming it altogether. Okay? So this is a weird convoluted way to talk to your daughter, but it's basically saying that either way, I don't want this nether to exist. Okay? But instead of just saying, saying I don't want the nether to exist, you're being, I don't know if the word is passive aggressive, but you're being, right, uh, indirect. You're saying, I don't want your netter to exist, but you know what? I can let your netter exist, and then I'm going to be made for it. And, and, and by the way, there's no case where your netter is going to exist unless I can be made for it. Okay. So what's the question? So fundamentally, as... Why to- does he say that terminology? Why doesn't he just say, I'm going to be made for your netter? Exactly. So this is what I'm trying to say. Barry is pointing out an excellent question, and we're spending a lot of time in the dark asking, like, why is this guy talking, talking like this? So Birnbaum thought he doesn't want to tell, say to no to his daughter. He doesn't want to, it's like, we don't really know the reason why, but you can imagine maybe that's the reason why. He doesn't, he, he's, he's never said no to his daughter in his life. So Hafaris Nadarim would just be too direct, right? She would be offended. So he's saying this convoluted thing that really amounts to Hafaris Nadarim. <laughs> but he's saying, yeah, I'm like, that's what I, that's why I said it the way I said it. I'm making you another Shefala, but I'm also being made for it, if that's okay, you know. <laughs> but you're right. It would have been a lot more direct to be made for it. But now the question is, is he, in effect, exactly being made for it or not? So what's fundamentally happening here, and this is what Tosfos brings up, is that the question, when the, when the Gemara says Mahu, what are they asking? So, Let's just turn to Ahmed Bey's so that Andrew doesn't have a conniption. And, and we're going to try to dissect this. But now I'm just going to say it outside real quick. The, the fundamental question here is, is he making one statement, like Barry said, that basically amounts to Hafaris Nadarm? That's what they call simultaneous, Barry. It becomes the question, and that's what Ahmed Bey is going to discuss. If he's saying that the Kama and the Hafaras Nadarim are simultaneous, so then it really is tantamount, it really is exactly the same as Hafaras Nadarim. Because he's saying there is no moment where I am actually, if what he means, right, do we take this whole statement and say what, like Barry says, that what he really means is that he's making Hafaras Nadarim, right? That's what he says. And therefore, do we take it as one simultaneous conglomerate statement that just basically amounts to a complex way of saying Hafaris Nadarm, or is he actually giving his, his little girl a little bit of uh, right, validation uh, by saying consecutively, I'm going to be making it and then I'm going to be made for it, if, that, if you don't mind. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that if he does Hakama first, right, and then does the Hatara, it might have a different halacha, and that's what Amr Bez is going to discuss, an analogy. Says the Gemara. Tashma, what's, what's the question? So what is it? Mahu, what is the halacha going to be? Oh, so let's explain. So Tashma, let's learn that this might have to do with the machlokas of Rebimei and Rebiosi in a Mishnah in Tamura. What's Tamura? Tamura is when you designate, you might recall, uh, you have an animal, that you have a regular lemela, right? A regular sheep off the market and you designate that sheep as a carbon ola, let's say. Very good. But you want to be able to bring this carbon ola and you want to bring a backup. 
So a tamura is when you designate another animal as hekdesh to say, I'm not going to bring this animal, this is not going to be my first string ola, but my second string backup ola. That's called a tamura. That animal ends up having a kadusha. So watch this. It's not. What's the mission say? A person did, made a contradictory statement. Okay, so this is the analogy, right? This, this father, in our case, in Argamara, made a contradictory statement. He did a hakamas and a farsandarim simultaneously. This guy also did a contradictory statement. He made a, a single lamb, right? And he designated it as a substitute for a korban ola and a korban shlomim. Well, you can't do that, Andrew. Because which is it? Says the Mishnah, Harezu Tumuras Ola, Diva Rabbi Meir. So Rabbi Meir is going to say that the first statement is not, is the one that's going to be considered legitimate. And the second statement, because it contradicts the first, is thrown out because it's nonsense. You can't make a Tumuras Ola. You can't make an animal. Let's say, forget, forget about Tumura. Let's say you designate an animal as an ola. You can't just go ahead and designate it now as a shlomim. That that's, makes no sense. That's not allowed. So the mayor says, we throw out the second half of the statement and we just consider it a tamur ola. However, Rabbi Yossi Omer, im l'chach niskav mitchila, hoel v'yef shalikra shemos ke'echad. If his intention initially was to make it a tamura for an ola and a shlomim simultaneously, since means since it's impossible physically for an animal to be both an Ola and a Shlomim simultaneously, Dvarav Kayamim, we actually take both the first and the second component of his statement. We take it literally and therefore we have no choice but to do what? Dvarav Kayamim means halachically we're now going to have to do what? We're going to have to lay this animal out to pasture because the animal is in a no man's land. It can't be brought as an ola. It can't be brought as a shlamim because it had been designated as both. And such animals have to be laid out to pasture until they develop a mum, as we learn over there in Tamura. And once they develop a mum, we're going to sell them. Only then and only then can they be sold. And the proceeds will then have to be used to buy an ola and a shlamim in order to now split this one animal, as it were, into two animals in order to be Mekayim, the statement of the person who did the impossible and designated a single animal as both an Ola and a Shlamim. So, which is to say that Rabiosi is taking a nonsensical, internally contradictory statement, and he's saying, this is what he meant. He, sometimes you have to learn, like my mother, Zalzayin Gazan says, being a Jew means sometimes understanding two contradictory things simultaneously. So that's Shitas Rabiosi, right? That you have, right? Like breaking a glass at a wedding, Andrew. So, so that is, in fact, what you're doing. So wait a minute. So wait, and even so the question is, that's the halacha and Tamura, right? That there Rabbi Meir is going to say that we throw out the second statement. However, says the Gemara, yeah, that's with Tamura, when he made an internally contradictory statement and it didn't seem clear that he meant that both parts of the statement have to come as one unit. Right? So Rabbi Yossi already in Tamura understood that both parts are understood simultaneously as one unit. But maybe Rabbi Meir would only say so in Tamura where he first says Ola and then says Shlomim. However, in the case of Shlomim, the lo amar lo seichul zu ela imken chala zu. Right? That in Tamura, 
the case was different than our case. In other words, our initial intention here is to say that our case is similar to the case in Tamura. Because again, our case, the father, let's say, said a contradictory thing. He affirmed the nether and canceled the nether. But the Gemara is now pointing out that in our case, the father did an additional thing. He also emphasized that one was contingent on the other. Okay? Because that was part of his statement, if you recall, Barry. He said that one doesn't work unless the other one works. That this hakama will not take effect unless the hafara takes effect. Well, in so doing, says the Gemara, even Rabbi Meir would have to agree that this is a contingent statement. And that's what the Gemara says here. In our case of the Afaras and Dharam, in the case over here, where they actually created a contingency and said that the affirmation of the nether will not take place unless the unless the uh, cancellation, the revocation takes place, so that even Rabbi Meir, in our case, would be modeh, that the afara is going to be chal. Wow. Because in our case, it's simultaneous. Because it's contingent. Wow. And even Rabbi Meir would agree with that. So that contingency, right, is an indication that he has an intention of simultaneity, and therefore, that's the halacha. The halacha is, it's considered simultaneous, and it's like Barry said, the equivalent, even Mayor would agree, that's the equivalent of flat-out hafaris nadarm. So that's that inquiry. Now another inquiry, by Raba, and we say the following. This is five lines up from the bottom of Samach Tassam What is he saying? He say, it's kaim amufar. He's just saying it simultaneously. It indicates that what? This is another indication, but he doesn't have the extra bit at the, as we arrive at the propitious time of 6.13 a.m. So he says, Kayim Mufur Lechi Bivas Achas. This net is going to be Mekoyim and Mufur. should be Mekoyim and Mufur. I'm going to now, right, affirm your nether and undo it at the same time. Mahu, what will be the halacha? So the Gemara says, Tashma, the Amarabah, Kol Dover She'einu Bezeacharzeh, Afilu Bavachas Achas Eino. An unbelievable, an unbelievable Yesod, we call it. A fundamental idea. First of all, this is by Raba. Some say that it's Rava. That this should really see the Gauss and the Duke so from say this has to be Rava because after all, all of these were by Rava. Rava asked uh, these questions and then since we answer it with a fundamental right statement of, Ra- of Raba, in other words, we had Rava asked some of these questions and Raba had asked some of these questions but it sounds like since we're answering with a fundamental Yesod of Raba, it sounds like this must have been Rava who asked the question. Be that as it may, what is this idea? He said, Hafara and Hakama simultaneously. What's this idea? So you have to look at the Ran. This is based on the Gemara in Kiddushin. Really in the Mishnah in Kiddushin and Dafnun. What did the Mishnah say in Kiddushin and Dafnun? That a person, let's say a guy, is... Mekadesh, uh, two sisters simultaneously. So we already learned, Ksubas, so we know, that you can't marry your wife's sister. That's an erva. So if you marry, so what happens if you are Mekadesh, two sisters simultaneously? So this is the fundamental concept of Rabbah, which is that if he had married the first one, then he could not be married to the second one because she would be an erva. That's Zeacharzeh. Therefore, that therefore the halacha would be if you're Mekadesh to women simultaneously you can be married to neither of them 
because anything where one wouldn't work sequentially after the other, then simultaneously, simultaneity will not work and both women get thrown out. That is a fundamental concept that we learn in condition of Rabbah, the fundamental halacha. Well, the same should be true of Nadarim, says the Ram. That's what the Gemara seems to be saying. That the same should be true of Nadarim. That if he's saying Hakama and Afar simultaneously, so obviously the two, never the twain shall meet, one cannot exist while the other exists because they are inherently contradictions, and therefore just throw the statement out the window. Afar and Hakama, throw, throw, out, throw that statement out the window. That's four lines up from the bottom. The Ran says, Right, that's the Mishnah Kedushin. Gabi Hamikadish Shtei Achayos Kaachas. The came of the Lamatzah the Kachina Bezechazeh. Since you can't be Mikadish a woman's sister after the woman, Afilu Vasachas Leika Lachadamineu Suffik Kedushin Klal Hacha Nami Leika Lisfuke Beakama Vafar Klal. Here we're not going to have any Suffik because he said something inherently nonsensical. He was affirming and canceling the the Neder simultaneously. Umatzah Basachi Lahefro Kiyumeke Debai. Right, and it's just going to not make any sense. And therefore, since it sequentially would not make any sense. Simultaneously, it makes no sense. We throw the whole thing out. And says the Ran, What the Ramam's halacha is here makes no sense to me. And his last parak of Ilchas Nadarm, the Ramam says something that makes no sense to me, says the Ran. So according to the Ran, it makes total sense that the um, comparison of the two Nashim, should be comparable to the Nadarim, Hafara and Akama, simultaneously. This is the only Rav Chaim in Hilchas Nadarim. And this is where the Rav Chaim takes issue with the Ran. The Ran says, I don't understand, the Rambam makes no sense here at the end of Hilchas Nadarim. And the Rav Chaim says, let me explain to you what the Rambam means in Hilchas Nadarim. Now, I'm going to butcher it, no question about it. I'm not going to do it justice with the two minutes we have left. But the bottom line is it goes back to, to Birnbaum, to Birnbaum's <laughs> point. Because Hakama and Afaris Nadarim, as we've discussed, is not exactly, this is really the Yisod of the Bukhaim, is not exa- and, and thus of the Rambam, is not exactly two sides of the same coin, as we've discussed. What Bukhaim is saying is, is that to the Ron, it seems obvious that just like marrying a, sister, a woman and marrying her sister, right, never the twain shall meet, is inherently impossible, it, it makes sense that simultaneously it would be canceled and just thrown out. But with Hafara and Hakamas Nadarm, that's not necessarily true because the Ramam is going to say that Hafaras Nadarim kills the snake, right? You kill the nether completely. When you do Hafaras Nadarim, it's not two sides of the same coin. Because if you did Hakamas Nadarim, as we just said, then that's like feeding the snake, as we've said. So you could do Hakamas Nadarim, you might still be able to get out of it, do Sha'ela, and then do Hafara, right? So it's not as mutually exclusive as one might think. If you did it sequentially, it would depend on the order. If you did Hakamas Nether first, you could theoretically undo the Hakamas Nether and then be made for that Nether. Masha'en Kane, if you did Hafaras Nadarim, the game is over. If you started with Hafaras Nadarim, you kill the nether forever. You can never revive that nether. Okay? So that is the underpinnings of the machlokas, the Rambam and the Ran over here. So now, Bai Raba, three lines up from the bottom of Samach Tesama base, I think would be a good place to resume Bezat Hashem tomorrow.